welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Welcome to our program. I'm your host, Linda Crater, and I'm joined today by co-host Pamela Stokes-Eggleston. We have a great lineup for you today regarding the vital importance of peer connection for transitioning service members and their families. By connection, we mean that we'll specifically discuss the proven value of veterans mentoring veterans through the transition home. We'd like to introduce you to our very special guests today, two Marines, Jason McNamara and Ben Thompson, the founders of squadleaders.org. Welcome to you both. Good morning, Linda. Thank you. Ben, are you there? Good morning. I'm here. There we go. Nice to have you both. I was looking at your website earlier, and you start off very simply talking about your organization's goal. You say two Marines, two hearts, one mission. What compelled you to start Squad Leaders? <laughs> That's actually a pretty good question, and it's something that we get a lot. Um, so Ben and I have always been involved in philanthropy. Um, you know, we got out of the military and uh, continued on with our uh, professional careers. He and I are both in um, healthcare and in information technology, and um, you know, we reached a point where. Um, we wanted to do bigger and better things, and quite frankly, we got tired of watching our brothers and sisters come home from military service struggling with the transition, and I think to a certain degree, it was uh, something that Ben and I could easily relate to as we transitioned out of the military. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we, we had this vision, and um, it wasn't the right time, so we just sort of put it away for a while. And then uh, last summer, we started to uh, put some pen to paper and draw out what we thought it would actually look like. Uh, and uh, here we are, present day. So it's been an interesting journey for us, to say the least. Yeah, just to, just to add on a little bit to that, um, as Jason and I did transition, we also transitioned into many areas uh, that actually work directly with veterans. Um, I currently work at the VA in North Chicago, and Jason uh, has had pl- a plethora of experience in that, in that area. And we started seeing a lot of statistics as we, um, uh, through, our, through our work life cycles uh, with veterans come through, and um, we thought that we could make a difference in those areas. That's great. Um, I I was looking at your website as well, and it's really um, well put together, and it's very honest. So, you know, I I appreciate that. Um, How exactly does squad leaders work? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. Um, So, you know, the the term squad leaders is lifted from the military itself, right? And so um, I think most folks are are used to the term squad leader, but uh, those who aren't, you know, squad leader is um, somebody that is higher ranking than you, and they are your mentor in the military, right? So they're making sure that your personal and your professional well-being is is squared away. And uh, and so we embedded that into our organization. And so when you look at, at our mission, right, we're very focused. Um, I think we, Pam, we hear that a lot. You know, we have a very candid approach to, um, to how we deal with our veterans. And we're not here to sort of, um, you know, lay any sort of flowers over the, the, uh, the, um, 
the struggles, right? We're here to confront them directly, directly and head on. And so we do that primarily through our mentorship network. And so the whole idea of squad leaders is that we take veterans that have already successfully transitioned in their communities. These are folks that, that we know about, Justin Constantine, Ben, myself. Um, they're embedded in their community. They're living fulfilled lives, and they want to make a difference, and they want to help. And so we take them. We give them some tools, we train them on how to become a mentor, and we create what we call the catcher's mitt. And that catcher's mitt takes two types of veterans in, essentially. We, we have um, military members that have served and they're about to transition out of the military. Um, so we're talking about folks that are about to leave the military within a few months and they're getting ready to come back home. Um, and then the other part are those that we sort of hear about um, after they've crossed sort of what we call the, the point of no return, is that the, these are folks that have already tried to transition back into their communities and they're simply struggling, right? So to that demographic, there's a wide array of um, complications because they've tried to transition and they just can't get back into the, the groove of things. And so um, those are the two folks that we, that we really um, target. And so it's a pretty lightweight mission, right? We're here to sort of create the environment where veterans can help one another, just like they did when they were in the military service. You know, I'm laughing when you say it's a lightweight mission. It's one of the toughest, heaviest missions that I can imagine, knowing what is going on in our communities. So many, too many, actually. Veterans are having a very difficult time coming through that uncertainty of of transitioning. And so connection and, and the camaraderie and the trust and even the chain of command and taking orders, everything has changed. So how do squad leaders specifically help to lessen that uncertainty? Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great question. And so um, I think from a you'll feel at home perspective, uh, Mm -hmm. we've lifted a lot of the military language, right? So um, I serve as the commanding officer. Ben serves as the executive officer. We have commanders, right? And so there's a lot of familiarity within the context of our organization. And we we did that on purpose, right? We wanted it to feel like uh, it was a place that they could feel safe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so mentor network is important because that provides that peer to peer relationship, someone that you can lean on. But we appreciate that there's a bunch of other things that have to come together for that veteran to successfully transition. And so, I mean, I think to your point, Linda, it is a very um, although it's a lightweight mission in itself to actually succeed is, is very complicated. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, if I'm mentoring you, for example, I'm a pretty smart dude, I think, right? I, I've been around for a I'll while. I'll agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually a disabled veteran, right? But I actually haven't f- had to refile a disabilities claim uh, in 15 years, right? And so mm-hmm. how do I go through that if I'm going to mentor you and you have a question about disability claims, for example? Mm-hmm. So what we've done in Squad Leaders is we've built what we call secondary services around that relationship. And so um, we have folks internally and externally, and we have direct and indirect partners. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Ben talk about uh, sort of what that looks like for us, but um, essentially it's a second layer of, of services that we provide. Ben, you want to kick that off? Sure, yeah. So a direct partner for um, squad leaders is basically somebody that's right in line with our strategic mission uh, or strategic goals. So right now we have uh, a couple of direct partners. Syracuse University, for instance, uh, is right in line with our uh, mentoring uh type of approach. Uh, A different type of approach or indirect would be, say, for instance, uh, a safe haven. So squad leaders, um, although we uh, have specific types of uh, services, we do not necessarily have services within the actual placement of homeless veterans. And so that's how we typically break down our indirect and direct um, type of partnerships. 
Yep. And then I think just to the, the resources that we have internally, we've built uh, a team of subject matter experts inside of our organization that actually contribute to um, to provide that secondary level of support. So I referred back to my um, previous example about disability claims. We actually have disability claims experts within the context of our organization. And so, Linda, if I was, if I was mentoring you and you had a question about disabilities claims and I couldn't answer that for you, um, me as a mentor, as a squad leader in our organization, could lean on those resources to help uh, answer your questions and guide you through. I think it's also important to note that we have um, some law firms that work with us that do some disability claims on behalf of their, our veterans. And so, um, to Ben's point, those are direct partners. They they provide direct services inside of our organization to help achieve our, our mission of transitioning successfully into the community. So to put that a different way, you have direct and indirect networks that you can call on to augment the services you provide. Is that you accurate? It. You got it. That's great. I think, um, Ben and Jason, it's really commendable that you guys developed squad leaders. And I was wondering if, because there's so much focus on veterans and transitioning and how the families are supporting them in that type of, of thing. How are how is squad leaders differentiating themselves from these other organizations who are addressing uh, transitioning issues, who are addressing um, mentoring issues, who are dealing with some of the same types of challenges that veterans that may come to squad leaders are dealing with? I think I, I think we both have uh, an answer to that. So I'll jump in first, and then um, I'll turn it over to Ben. But um, just from a strategic perspective, right? I think um, there have been a, an influx of funding across the nation for helping veterans, right? And so right. we see that clearly. Yes. Um, squad leaders doesn't actually tap into any of those resources. So it's it's strange in that in that regard because we are largely we are completely funded by our. Um, our board of directors. And so it's private funds coming together to help veterans. And so we're not an organization that was, wasn't here yesterday and now has a million dollar operating budget because we've received a grant. We've actually deliberately avoided those kinds Mm -hmm. of um, interactions. And so this was really about how do we create the environment for uh, veterans to lean on one another and then enable all of them to be successful. But I'm going to, I'm going to punt it to Ben because I think he's got some, uh, some insight on that too as well yeah so i just um jason and i have talked extensively with um i I think some of the value add for squad leaders that we have learned as we've we've, we've come along is the actual um the value with the people that we're working with and that have volunteered their time and so um to really figure out how that those services could vastly uh cast a wider net so to speak and really affect those people that we bring in the veterans of course um we really had to figure out what that need was and i think um Jason and I, as we started looking into this initially and learning more and more about veterans, I think some of the statistics that we learned um, really helped to develop those uh, quantitative uh, analytics as far as going into how we were going to approach it. So, um, so, I mean, just some of those, just to throw a couple numbers out there, there are 21.5 million veterans in the U.S. as we speak, and um, as we move forward, we're only going to see that number increase. Uh, and, and as far as just uh, PTSD, for instance, um, just from the Vietnam War, 
Um, Gulf War, we're looking at 10 percent. In Afghanistan, we're looking at about 11 percent. And, of course, that number continues um, on through. And so we took those, and we really tried to figure out how we're going um, try to try to cast the biggest net possible. And um, to do that, we really, you know, this is something that you mentioned earlier, to tackle that, um, you know, how can we possibly take that, just the two of us, and, and really approach that and, and make some traction. Ben, and the way thank you so much. Hey, we're going to have to hold on to that thought. We're going into our break. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, cutting-edge radio. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. I'm Linda Crater with Pam Eggleston and our guests, Jason McNamara and Ben Thompson of squadleaders.org. Uh, Jason, let's take you, uh, give you a question. Sure. Um, I wonder how do vets find you? Do you go to find them? Uh, do you enter early in the cycle? How do they find out about you? And is it more than organic growth? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? I think um, I, it's something that we, we hear about a lot. You know, I think there's something to be mindful of, and that is um, folks that, that often need the most help are those the hardest to discover, right? right? And so how do you get through um, to that level? And so um, a couple of different things that, that we do. We obviously have our website, squadleaders.org. Um, we also have um, our Facebook page, and it's, it's growing rapidly. Um, just to throw out some statistics, so we, we recruit um, about three and a half squad leaders a week. Um, and we bring in about one and a half veterans per week into our organization. And so, um, that those numbers have, um, essentially grown without doing any strategic marketing or strategic targeting, uh, of veterans or mentors for that matter. Fantastic. And so, uh, one of the things that we're looking at over the next several months is I think to answer your question is how do we actually get into, um, some of the community so that squad leaders becomes a known name. And I think um, that's really sort of where we're focused on the rest of the summer. Um, and so to that point, we're rolling out a strategic marketing campaign and we're um, working heavily with some of our partners to help spread the word. But at this point, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been just about organic growth and um, word of mouth. It's amazing how fast it travels. Um, we decided to turn on a Facebook page and within a short amount of time, we had several thousand followers, right? And so it's been been, um, an interesting journey for us to see how 
word of mouth spreads, but now we're ready to sort of start to target the communities. And so um, we're actually launching our first um, chapter or what we call our command posts. And so um, our regional command post is going to um, set up on the East Coast uh, because we've grown so so rapidly. And so um, the intent would be for us to slowly roll out these command posts around the country that would essentially um, feed into the community and be a resource not only for the veterans, but for the community around them. You know, what you're talking about with squad leaders is peer and mentoring, but it's also about connection and belonging. That's right. And the ones that are the hardest to reach are those that don't feel as though they belong anymore. Then maybe you can take this one and describe how you initially reach out to some of those more at-risk veterans who don't even know if they want the help that you can provide them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, so typically what we do with that is, is just try to create that connection, and, and squad leaders doesn't necessarily define what the, how that connection is going to be. So as they come into our program, um, or actually, well, as we, as we reach out to them, um, we try to pair them with an individual that's been where they've been. So they've walked the same road, so to speak, where they've, where they've been. And so we, what I found, um, you know, being here at the hospital that I brought, I brought up to Jason and brought up to the organization is that I started seeing individuals in the waiting room uh, talking to each other and, and developing more of a conversation and relation than they would when they actually spoke with a provider. And that kind of rang a bell with us, and we said, okay, so if that's the case, they're relating more to themselves and where they've been as opposed to um, just somebody asking questions. So that's the approach that we take. And as far as um, the life cycle that Jason was talking about earlier, uh, ideally every individual that we bring in, every veteran that we bring in, what we'd like to see is is uh, to help develop them into a leadership professional. Um, now, that doesn't, of course, happen with everybody, but... Um, the, the bigger picture there is to is to build basically pillars uh, pillars of leadership and to start out by just bringing them in and then eventually hopefully um, turning them into our mentor as well and then uh, having them contribute to the organization down the road. Hey, hey um, Linda, if I can jump in just for one second, Please. I think um, you know it's important to note that some of the the more troubled veterans. Uh, their families are actually the ones that, that we reach out to. And I think, and I, let, me, let me rephrase that, they actually reach out to us, right? And so um, on many occasions, we've had brothers and sisters, best friends, aunts and uncles that will reach out to our organization and say, you know, we have my, my brother is severely struggling. Um, he won't admit it. He's using drugs. You know, can you please help us, right? And so I think um, in some of those more sensitive situations, we're dealing with a lot of the family members and not necessarily the, the veteran directly, but we use the, the family as an enabler for us to help with that, create that relationship that I think Ben was talking about. And, you know, we can put a lot of formality around the, re- the relationship, but we chose not to because we wanted to build the, I think to Ben's point, the building blocks that allowed for that relationship to evolve. And, um, the more casual approach is a more comfortable approach, I think. You know, Jason, you're talking about trust as well, because in many cases, it is the family member who reaches out. Things have just come to a point that it's not tenable anymore. That's right. And I'm grateful that you reach out and listen to the family members, because so many organizations do not. They focus strictly on the veteran themselves and vets helping vets. But it's more than that with a foundation of the community, the family, the friends, right. etc., and yep. that additional focus, I would venture to say, is another differentiating point for squad yes. leaders. 
Yeah, that's right. And then, you know, we have, uh, you know, back to our resources that provide direct and indirect support. Um, you know, we have medical staff that work for us, right? And mm-hmm. so we have a psychology advisor, we have a psychotherapist, we have a chief medical officer, we actually have two of those. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a well-being um, expert, we have a fitness expert. And so, you know, should we encounter a situation that is starting to lean towards behavioral or mental health disorders, um, it's a very easy reach for um, our chief psychology officer to jump in and assist that relationship and provide some guidance, you know? And so um, we're very fortunate in that regard. I also think that what you guys are doing um, in pairing, just having that direct impact with your chief um, psychology advisor, you called it, I think that that's really wonderful. And to have those folks um, at arm's length when you need to uh, involve the community, when you need to involve the family and, and, and friends even. I think what, what I love about squad leaders, and you know, I'm actually new to, the, to, to your organization, but what I've learned thus far is that it's really simplistic in that it's it's comprehensive but it's really easy for somebody to say oh look at their website i know exactly what they do look at what they're saying i know exactly where these things are and and, and it's basic in terms of getting there so i think that that kind of um to touch on what you said before and in the command post and trying to make these things easy for veterans to come to is is really important i want to know how that translates into any um relationship or uh, facilitation with the VA as a source? How do you guys work that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think historically, um, well, let me just shortly answer that, then I'll, I'll answer it a little longer. So um, I think it's a work in progress for us. Mm-hmm. That, that's the short answer. The, the, the long answer is that I think historically the VA has only um, dealt with organizations that it has a financial or a legal uh, relationship with. And so those nonprofits that choose not to engage with financial relationship with the VA are left to sort of figure out how to engage with them. And so um, I think, you know, Ben has been doing a lot of work in this area because he's been coordinating on a number of fronts. But um, I think for us, it's um, we're not leaning on the VA as a resource. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we see them to be a partner because our missions are very different, um, and we've chosen to um, to to sort of stay away from the grants and the the veteran service organizations that the VA historically funds. Ben, you want to you want to take that a little more? Yeah, I'll, I'll be brief with it. Um, we, there's um, a lot of. So legally, we have to be careful in that area because um, from the actual VA, they, they can't necessarily, um, of course, show favoritism or support a particular organization. But that being said, um, as far as the resources uh, that we've developed uh, over the years, that we definitely utilize those resources. And we have a lot of individuals that have uh, a lot of passion in that area that we typically utilize. Um, so uh, as far as on the books, <laughs> uh, it's not direct, uh, but it is indirect for sure. I think when you're looking at helping uh, veterans, there isn't a way to avoid all of the other organizations, but you're wise to perform more of a collaborative arrangement, a partnership arrangement, where if something is needed, it can go in that direction. But otherwise, you're steering clear and keeping it clean. And you're, again, building on that trust. I'm going to go back to one of the taglines on your website that I, I truly enjoy, and it says, we've got your back and your tomorrow. What does that look like to both of you? Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll start it, and then I think Ben has um, some, some interesting perspectives on that. So, uh, you know, I think when you look at the military, right, when I served, I was uh, I came from a, 
a, a very unfortunate situation. And I jumped into an, an organization and an environment that had all these services built around me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it at the time, but they really had my back, right? So I had a chow hall card where I can go get chow. I had my healthcare taken care of, my dental taken care of. I had a place to sleep. I had a place to, to bathe. I had, you know, all these different things, right, that were built around me that sort of happened on day one. It wasn't like I transitioned into all of these services. Day one, when I stepped into the Marine Corps, they were available for me, mm-hmm. right? And then as I progressed through my career, I had all of these mentors, I had all these squad leaders, I had all of these commanders that were always looking out for me. Sometimes, you know, I wouldn't like what they were saying, obviously, but, um, and especially <laughs> when we, when we were deploying overseas into the Middle East, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, when I take a look at my military service, it was an organization that had provided so many different services and you really felt like they had your back. And I think, one of the, if you ask a veteran, what's the thing that they miss the most about the military, they always say the people. And it's mm-hmm. because the, the people really take care of one another. And so there's this sense of, yeah, like when I went, when we invaded Iraq, I actually felt kind of comfortable because I was with my brothers that I had served with for five mm-hmm. years before that, right? And so, um, you know, you feel like they're taking care of you. And when you leave and you step out of the military, it's literally as quickly as it came in your life, it's as quickly as it leaves. And, you know, there's no more, you don't have any more peers that are looking after you. You don't have any more squad leaders that are looking after you. You don't have these medical services that are looking after you. Now you have to go out and try to find your own job and do your own thing and translate some of your services back into the community. And so what the heck are you supposed to do with that, right? I mean, it's a very tough, tough transition. And so when we think about we got your back and tomorrow, it's, hey, we're going to provide that same sort of feel when you come into our organization, like you're taken care of. And what happens tomorrow, we're going to be there with you. And so we have veterans that have come into our organization where, you know, they're being mentored as we speak and they encounter some legal trouble or they encounter something. We're with them. We don't drop them because they've encountered legal trouble or they've become, you know, they've tried, they're still struggling transitioning. We right. take care of them through that process, right? And right. so we have law firms that actually work with us to support and defend our veterans, right? And so we have veterans that are going through simple things like, home purchasing. They don't know what to do. They've never had to buy a home before. And so we have a legal team that can help with that. And so that's what we mean by tomorrow. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. We're going to be there with you. You know, I think you've really summed this up beautifully. And I, I think our readers are going, our listeners, pardon me, are going to want to know where to find out information, which is at squadleaders.org. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for sharing squadleaders.org with us this morning about the connection, the veteran peer support, the value of belonging, and purpose and camaraderie. You're listening to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater with my co-host, Pamela Stokes-Eggleston, and our guests, Jason McNamara and Ben Thompson, founders of squadleaders.org. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you both for having us. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. LinkedIn. It's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show. Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase 
their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and, of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, in ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. This is Linda Crater with Pam Stokes Eggleston, and we were very intrigued by squad leaders and have asked them to stay over for the second half of our program to tell some of the stories of veterans and families that they have assisted. Does any particular story come to mind? Jason or Ben, either one of you, take it. Yeah. Uh, so Sorry. There's, yeah, there's so many stories, right? I think um, I, I just want to start the stories by um, – by what we do in our organization. So because we deal with veterans, both in the context of mentors and as those being mentored, um, there's an opportunity to really relate to veterans. And because we have, we have non-veterans at work in, in our organization supporting the mission, um, we always start with the idea of find your veteran that you can actually relate to and find somebody that keeps you going because there's a lot of people out there that are suffering worse than us. And so um, I'm going to leave out this veteran's name, obviously, but um, I want, to, want you to just hear his email to us and his plea for help. And so, and then I'll talk about some of the stories. So, um, hi, I'm a U.S. Air Force vet. I'm 56. I'm in Florida. I'm on Social Security disability. Do you help vets that need supportive housing because I had surgical spine surgery and I cannot do anything on my own? I don't make any money, and I'm living in a very abusive situation. Please help me as soon as possible. Thank you. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that veteran is my veteran, right? And so I remember him when we're staying up late, trying to strategize on what's going to happen um, for the next week. And you know, we were able to transition him uh, to one of our indirect partners that provides some of those more um, complicated supportive housing projects. But um, you know, so in that situation, that was a very 
easy transition. Um, we weren't able to provide the services that he needed, so we were able to move him um, outside of our organization. But um, we had a, a, a brother of a veteran that called us and um, was very, very worried about uh, about his brother. And so we were able to use our psychology team and one of our mentors to um, to make an exceptionally long story short, um, prevent this veteran from becoming evicted and find him a gainful employment within the context of him joining our organization. So, uh, and there were some, some suicidal tendencies that we were trying to combat as well, but um, we were able to stabilize him back into um, into the environment. And so that was a, a big win for us. I think, um, you know, those desperate situations call for desperate measures. And so it, it was, uh, you never know how those things sort of pan out. And we were able to step in at the right time because of the family and because of, um, of our team and, and provide that transitional services. And so he continues to work with us and, um, and grow as a, as a person as we start to transition him into the community. That's fantastic. And I think what you are describing is basically an organization that stands by, ready to do whatever is needed. How is your communication set up so that you always know where and how to reach out to the next person? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. Um, we've, we're actually... Um, um, we're, we're actually in the process of, of developing what Ben and I call our squad leaders 2.0. Um, we're, we're building this infrastructure to, to do a couple of things. One, provide cross-communication across all of our mentors, and then um, cross-communication around all veterans in our organization. And so we are always uh, plugged into our um, to our resources to be able to, to find out what's happening and how we get updated and things of that sort. And so, um, you know, that, that platform for us will be all of the, the connectors, if you will, to answer your questions. So, um, as people update their situations, it becomes updated real time. Then their mentors get notified. Um, if a mentor needs a resource, they can contact one of the, like the psychology team, for example, uh, all within the context of this, of, of this technology platform that we're deploying. So we, Ben and I are technologists. We're IT dorks. We, we love technology. <laughs> and so, and so we, we yeah. believe in it a lot. And so we use it, uh, we use it a lot in squad leaders. Well, what you're we also did. describing is not letting people fall through the gaps which is That's the right. traditional, oops, they fell through the gaps, which yeah. is not a very good catch-all phrase. Ben, you wanted to add something? Uh, yeah, we did get some very uh, valuable consulting um, from a company called Sebesso, Mark McQueen's online media marketing company. Anyhow, they, they directed us in uh, the direction of Podio, which is basically a cloud-based collaboration tool. And that's uh, the, the program and collaboration tool that Jason is talking about. And um, we were also, as far as Podio, they did uh, basically let us demo this, this program for squad leaders specifically. So um, they've kind of let us utilize that tool um, moving forward. Jason, you want to speak more on that? Well, I, I think just more more candidly, Podio sponsored us, so um, yeah. we're, we're using technology from from a sponsored technology company. But I, you know, I think it's um, it's also important for us to note. Uh, you know, we're we're there with them, Linda. I think you talked about it before the break about how we have their tomorrow and how we stick through with them. And um, I think one of the pieces that we we're always working on is how do we um, keep our veterans gainfully employed. Um, and so we're always working on how do we create that environment. And um, we're actually using some of our technology to create an environment where um, our veterans can continue to learn uh, skills be it personal skills or professional skills as they enter our organization. And that's something that's very important for us too. So, 
No, it's very, very helpful because I think we found that purpose, that belonging, that connection, all of that is very heavily tied to uh, gainful employment. And I know that in our second section, we're going to be talking about a program uh, that does help with employment from start to finish. And um, are we ready with our next guest? Yes, I am. Perfect. Uh, Jason just gave you a warm intro, and we have just a few minutes before an upcoming break. Maybe you can explain who you are and with what organization, and just give an overview of what you do. Uh, my name is Jamie Parent. I'm the Associate CIO and Vice President for IT Operations at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. I'm also Assistant Professor in the College of Health Sciences here. Um, basically, my day-to-day job is running the uh, IT um, or organization here, mostly from a non-clinical side, um, anything from databases to websites to emails to infrastructure, networks, anything is, falls under what I do. In addition to that, I've, uh, I call myself the Chief Dreamer Officer mm. of the Enabled Vet Program, which is a 13-week internship program. We take military vets who are transitioning or are having trouble finding employment or readjusting to civilian life, and we put them through a very fast-track 13-week program. <clears throat> and at the end of the 13 weeks, through some uh, permutations that we do with our consulting firms and our tech firms and our electronic health record firms, uh, we make them um, very competitive in the Chicago land area for both healthcare IT uh, positions and careers as well as just general IT career positions and fields. Uh, we've been in, pl- in place for about a couple of years now, and I'm happy to say that we've placed uh, 12 veterans successfully in Chicago land in these type of tech jobs. That's fantastic, Jamie. Um, as you're looking ahead, we have about a minute before our break. Um, what would you say is the most, most common um, impediment that you find when people come to you? It is the culture of the military culture, understanding the civilian culture, and vice versa. Some of the military veterans' resumes are not really uh, ready for the civilian workforce, but they still have the same kind of characteristics, uh, some of the technical skills, some of the cultural skills of duty, sense of honor, willingness to work hard, loyalty, honor, integrity. And these are the exact kind of skill sets that are needed in the civilian workforce. Problem is communicating the value of that military veteran to the organizations that are uh, potentially hiring them. So through our program, we're able to break down some of those misconceptions on both sides of the fence and come to common ground and really, really see the value of the military veteran transitioning and, and make that transferable to civilian jobs, of which a lot of these jobs that military men and women do are completely transferable to the civilian sector. You know, Jamie, that's fantastic. As you are looking at them, you are a retired Air Force, is that correct? I am a retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. And we are, you do not select from any particular service for this program, correct? Just very short answer, and we'll go on break and we can resume afterward, but is there what is the screening process for your program well we usually like to find people that have some type of technical skills but what we have found is uh if you lack technical skills but you have the heart you have the drive you have the initiative sometimes that's even more important than the technical skills 
Boy, I would agree with that entirely. And we are coming up to our break. Uh, you're listening to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater with guest Jamie Parent, co-host Pam Eggleston. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoda, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the Wow Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. I'm Linda Crater with host Pam Stokes Eggleston, and we are here with our guest, Jamie Parent from Enabled Vets. Can you tell us more about your program, Jamie? It's an IT, health IT program. And so once you have identified veterans who perhaps have a, a semblance of a background in IT, how does the program work from start to finish? Well, we recruit veterans from various partners within Chicagoland. Some we get okay. from the Veterans uh, veterans Rehabilitation Unit. Some we get from training programs. Um, some we just get from word of mouth. We usually have a cohort of about four at a time because that's all basically we can handle because all of us have, have day jobs, really. But the way the program works is pretty simple. It's a 13-week program. We pay a stipend of 12.50 an hour for uh, four days a week. 
eight hours a day, and that comes out to a whopping $5,000 per veteran, which is really peanuts, which is why we're able to pretty much absorb this on our own. The way the program works is the first week the person works at the help desk. That way they get a, a lay of the land of the organization, see how things mm-hmm. work. During weeks two through four, we involve them in an end-user desktop training. We're deploying desktops in a virtual environment, and they are part of that. And so for the three weeks, they learn how to do that type of, of PC to virtual desktop transition. And basically, it's a, um, uh, a leasing program that we're, that we're stopping. So we pay 800 bucks for a lease program, 200 bucks for a VDI client. So even before a veteran picks up a screwdriver, they are part of a three-year, $4.8 million technology advancement and re- research project. And these are the types of things we look for that resonate on the resume, that make the difference on Monster.com and other types of, of job search engines. During week five, we bring in consultants in Chicagoland. Now, these are people that are professional staffers, and these are folks that actually rebuild that resume that I was speaking about before the break. They take, they draw out what the military talent is, they draw out what the personal talent is, and they put it on that resume and they package it ready for uh, job interviews. Then week six, uh, another group of uh, uh, consultants come in and they do mock job interviews with the vets, all ba- all one-on-one based. This is all very intense one-on-one. And uh, what we found is that a lot of times GIs really don't know how to interview for jobs because they've never had the opportunity really to interview for jobs. So they give them the, kind of like the subtle cues, make sure your resume is neat, 15 minutes early, white shirt, red power tie if you're a guy, business dress suit for women if you're a woman, um, don't look at your phone, and a lot of the things that perhaps we take for granted when we go on job interviews. Then during week seven, they shadow somebody in my department. It might be with our electronic medical record. It might be with some network or some other technologies. But in the meantime, I throw them back to the uh, consultants and say, okay, now you can have these guys and now find them jobs. And the consultants have skin in the game because when they find a job for a veteran, they get a placement fee, which is normally about 15 uh, 15%. So, for example, if they find a veteran a job at $40,000, um, they get a finder's fee of $6,000. So that means they got skin in the game, which is an incentive for them to get the veterans hired. We used to keep the, the refresh at the end, but then we found out that veterans were getting hired earlier um, than finishing the program, which is terrific for us. I mean, the goal is not to finish the program. The goal is to get a job in healthcare IT or in regular IT um, in Chicago then and make that successful transition. Jack, you know, so Jamie, can I ask you a question um, briefly? I'm sorry, Linda. Um, okay. I wanted to interject here because I know that you have a 13-week program and that it's very uh, comprehensive. Um, how... Um, what we're finding um, just in our work, and Linda and I uh, can speak to some of this, but um, is that there are lots of employment um, uh, programs for veterans. There's talk of transition. There's narrative about vets need employment, employments, but yet this rate is still very high. So I noticed that you guys are focusing in on the health IT arena. What types of stories, what types of positive um, results can you share with us with regards to enabled vet? Well, my favorite story is I'll just call him uh, John, okay? So right. okay. John came to us. He was a Marine uh, that helped set up a, da- a data center in Kuwait, of all places. And when we found him, he was watching daytime TV. 
Mm. Guy about mid mid to late twenties, um, couldn't find a job. So we put him through the program, and he went through the program for thirteen weeks, and he learned the skills that I previously described. I never let go of the vets because after you leave the program, I call I, I call you my enabled vet alumni association, right? Where okay. you we, right, we keep right. eyes on you, and then you can come back and inspire others. So right. I, was speaking to, I was speaking to Ken, and um, Ken, I said, Ken, how's it going? He goes, it's not going well. He goes, you know, Jamie, I really don't think that these companies are interested in hiring veterans. I've got my resume out on all these different places, and you know what? No one calls me back. And I'm like, well, Ken, you know, kind of the new normal is you throw it out there, but don't necessarily expect an immediate reply. <laughs> And then I said to him, I said, by the way, Ken, did you put your updated resume up on Monster.com with all the um, with all the interesting stuff that we did here? And John says, no, no, I didn't. And I'm like, Ken, come on, work with me, buddy, right? <laughs> so he ended up putting it on Monster.com. Two weeks later when I checked on him, he had, um, three email, he had nine emails and three phone calls back wanting to get um, wow. uh, an interview with him. And so, he ended up, and, and so um, he, he was getting offers. But he said, right. to me, he says, Jamie, these jobs are in the suburbs. I got to go to school. I got to be in Chicago. I said, Ken, be patient. You've got the skills. You've got the stuff now. And sure enough, he found a job in the city. He was working on a, a city contract to deploy um, PCs um, mm -hmm. for, the, for the city colleges of Chicago. Wow. And he was perfectly pleased with that. So right. that's kind of like a perfect example of someone who came in, struggled, got the resume stuff, and then was successful in, in, in getting employment. Right. You know, Jamie, the value that you provide when you stay in touch means that not only do you bring them in for this comprehensive training program and then find them jobs, but you also follow up with them afterward, which is bringing in, again, what Squad Leaders was talking about, connection, peers, support, and a, a purpose. And so the strength of your program appears to be that you also don't let go, as you put it. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes, yes. And we have online training from uh, major technology companies that have donated online training. And we preserve the email address for these veterans on a volunteer basis so that they continue to access that training and continue to advance their careers. In addition, when I get new job offers or I hear of something in the community, I fire it off to the um, email list mm -hmm. of the alumni and current veterans because it doesn't just start with the job you got when you left here. If I can continue that career ladder climb for you, offer um, support, um, a reference, um, and, and keep your resume going, um, it's it's just not the one job. We want to make you successful for a full healthcare IT career because you've got a lot of years left, maybe more years than myself. But we're <laughs> going to keep monitoring you and 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 seeing how we can further help you, even months or perhaps years after you've left the program. Now you know we talked about before how family members often bring vets to programs. In your program, is the family involved at all? The family is involved because we, based upon my own military experience and training, it's it's the whole family unit that serves. Mm -hmm. So I served 20 years in the Air Force, but so did my wife, Tracy, and to some lesser years because they were born my three kids. And what we found is that 
um, it's a whole kind of person, whole family concept. And that's why if we run into a situation where a military member can't work, either long-term therapy or cognitive brain problems or whatever, we will hire the spouse in this program. We will hire the adult child wow. who, may be, who may be flipping burgers downtown but right. is a whiz with a smartphone. And right. if they sit with my app developer, um, that, that young man or woman is going to be employable. And that way, you know, if that person can put food on the table um, That's it. while the military That's veteran recovers, that statistically shows about 29% of patients, whether they're military or not, recover faster because they don't have these worries about the family not being able to. to that's good, Jamie, and I'd like to interject by saying that that's really important. I think people, uh, particularly a lot of other programs, want to focus on the veterans as, as, as they should, uh, but also to use this as a community kind of collaborative where you're saying, okay, the bonds of cohesion go extend farther beyond the veteran, but that person is, is part of a family unit. If you can get that spouse a job, I mean, the spouse unemployment rate is it's somewhere around 25%. If you can get that child who's, like you said, flipping burgers a job, that's really critical, too, because that, that will empower um, directly or indirectly the veteran who's also struggling with, with unemployment issues. So I think that that's really uh, a critical piece to, to what you're doing. And it kind of fills a gap, because if you look at all the companies yes. who are making serious and very good donations to, um, you know, uh, commitments to hiring veterans, right? I really don't hear anybody committed to hiring veterans spouses or adult children. And not, I believe definitely not the kids. There's some programs that do spouses, but I, again it's it's they're kind of they're you know worked in together and, and I so but the children I haven't heard anything either. Yeah. And and in some ways like the VA they can't hire. They're, right. they're, they're, they're restricted by federal law. Right. Um, but because we, we hear uh, myself and a few other veterans, because we understand how that family unit works we're able to provide and meet the needs of that family unit. Sure, sure. I think, it, well, I, I'm just happy to see that people are involved, um, you know, the families. I think that with, with your organization, with squad leaders, it's kind of refreshing to hear that, okay, we're going to involve the veterans. We definitely want the veterans to to come back and feel the, those bonds of cohesion that they felt um, when they were in theater, you know, but also to empower the entire family unit and their community around them is, is really a, a critical piece in that. Mm -hmm. And we also have some generous donors as well. So they will donate tickets to um, uh, basketball games, hockey games, baseball games. And we, you know, if we get enough tickets and the vendor agrees, then we, we say, can, can the vendor uh, invite a guest? Or Jamie, thank you. Kids? Thank yeah. you so very much. I'm afraid we're out of time. We need to thank our guests for joining us today, Jason McNamara, uh, Ben Thompson, and Jamie Parent. We are delighted to discuss the vital uh, point of peer support and connection. Everyone serves and together we make a difference. Thank you for joining us today on Military Network Radio. You can find us at militarynetworkradio.com or in iTunes podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 